0: This show was made at Axis Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.
1: Kia ora tato. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. Con Mikaela Naiman toku My name is Mikaela Naiman and I'm your host. Welcome. This show focuses on the arts and creativity in Taranaki and beyond. We aim to cover the diversity of arts from painting, literature, songwriting, theatre, pottery, poetry, sculpture and how the creative arts contribute to our community, as well as our own sense of purpose and well-being. The Sugarloafing Artscast is generously supported by the govett Brewster Art Gallery and Len Lai Center. Stay tuned to find out more. And I'm here today in Gay Atkinson's home and studio talking to an amazing potter who has been doing her work for many years. (laughs) Hello, Gay. Hi, Michaela. (laughs) I'm sure people are familiar with some of your work, but for those who don't know you, could you uh, tell us a bit about yourself and who you are? Well,
0: um, I'm an elderly potter. I've specialised in raku, I fell in love with raku in the 1980s at a pottery convention in Palmerston North, and it was very primitive in those days, it was a brick kiln and wood fuelled, so you had to wait for ages for the kiln to get up to temperature, which is at least 900 degrees centigrade, which is red hot. And just seeing the activity and the the process happen so quickly with raku, unlike conventional Firings, you fire and you get them up to temperature, and then you wait for the kiln to cool down to about 100 degrees. Um, with raku, you take them out red hot, at about up to a thousand degrees, and you take them out with tongs, and then you quickly put them into combustibles, which are sawdust and or shredded paper or leaves or dried grass, and then you quickly put a lid on it, and that reacts, the smoke and the flame reacts on the glaze. Or the bare clay. With the bare clay, it just makes it black, beautiful black. Um, with the glazes, I tend to use metallic glazes because I like my pots to look like artifacts. So they can have a slightly rusty or a metallic look about them. And the smoke in the sawdust and the lid, which starves the glaze of oxygen, reduces it back to its metallic state. And that's where I get that metallic, glistening wow. look.
1: That sounds though that there are a lot of factors that are beyond control.:
0: um, I like to think I have moderately good control, but yes, um, it doesn't always turn out like you expect, and I'm inclined to reject that pot, but someone will come along and say they love it because it doesn't meet my expectations of of it myself, but you know I don't allow for other people's taste. I just want <laughs> oh. just think about my own, but it is interesting and I've learned over the years to be a bit more tolerant of
1: the Mm. result As a printmaker I know those um, happy accidents happy mistakes can sometimes be what, um, yeah like you say, someone else sees something in it, whereas your perfectionist or image Mm. in your mind, Mm. it doesn't meet with the Mm. result Mm.
0: Yes, yes it is, one of my most popular recent glazes is one that I bought and paid a lot of money for and it didn't meet the photo of what the glaze is meant to be, but those two pots sold quickly, the quickest-selling pots lately. So, do you know what I mean? It's it It's in the eye of the beholder, of course. Yes, yeah.
1: that is true. But I,
0: I only pot for myself, because in this process, the bins that the, the pot go into are a very tight fit, because the oxygen's got to be limited, and I quite often ding them and break them. Oh. You know, <laughs> quite a few accidents, but, you know, it's kind of... Um, an addictive process. Once mm-hmm. you start rakuing it, it's very hard not to keep going.
1: I've always loved raku, but the first raku I saw that was uh, more like um, I think they had uh, done it outside mm-hmm. in a pit, and it was rather rustic. I yes, must yes, say, yes. quite heavy. It
0: can be. Yes. Yes.
1: Yours is not. Yours is more like some sort of Etruscan vases and. Ancient mm. pot well, that, that
0: is the that's the sort of sense that I try to convey is that well, I have been a painter and I'm an abstract painter and I consider myself an really? a really yeah, I consider myself an abstract potter. You know, there's wow. no there's no function attached to mine except to view it. That's its function.
1: Beauty is its function, but its function to maybe hold it. Yeah. The tactile part yes. of and pottery. Of course,
0: it is in the low-fired range, which means the clay is not vitrified and um, it won't hold water. And I get a bit offended when people say, oh, you know, can I put flowers and water in it? It's not meant to be like that, even though the shapes are inclined to be vase-shaped because the for- the glaze matches those rounded, closed-in forms. Yeah.
1: But very many ornamental vases are only glazed on the pretty outside mm. and uh, Yeah, the bottom mm. is not so mm. you have to put them on uh, some sort of saucers yes. or uh, yes. <laughs> Dishes
0: with well, terracotta in particular. Yeah. I've damaged a lot of furniture was <laughs> not looking after it properly <laughs> But you can you can waterproof them, but
1: I don't Yeah, because that's not that's not what I intend them for no. yeah. Lovely and going back are you, uh, not being from here myself, are you born and bred here in Taranaki? No, in Wellington I was born and bred here. Yes. And how did you find your way up to Taranaki? Well, um, my, I started off work
0: as in dress design. And my father had a hotel, and one of his patrons was the manager of a lingerie factory. Oh. And they they needed a designer, and before I knew it, I... Your parents were very influential in what you did in those days. Yes. And I was on about <laughs> three pound a week, <laughs> uh, you know, which was less than a minimum wage even in those days. And so next thing I found myself up in Stratford. Yeah.
1: From uh, clothes design to lingerie and then abstract art and pottery.
0: Yes, well, of course, I spent a lot of time in the lingerie factory working and then I got married to Jeff. Who was Stratford Guy? And um, yeah, and we started having a family. So I did actually work through a lot of my family years because they needed a designer, so they were very generous in supporting Mm. childcare and things like that. In those days, you got frowned on for putting your children in other people's hands.
1: Oh, yes. uh, Hey, I've also had a few,
0: you mm, should be a mom
1: at home with your kids. And, you know, that wasn't an option for me as a migrant. Who are looking after your
0: children today? (laughs) Don't worry, it's your auntie or it's
1: someone they know. But then others, like Mm. my mother-in-law said, um, she wished that option had been more available at the time because... As a young mother, you needed to go out and meet others as yeah, well. and exactly. And your own self-worth and, and, and just so,
0: childcare is so limiting. So mm. I, need, I, can't, I can't say I didn't enjoy it, but, you know, I was a better mother for going out and having stimulation. Yeah,
1: well, everyone is, mm. you know, individual, mm. yeah. need to do what you need to mm. do. But um, that means that um, there might be a generation of women who have worn your designed underwear. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, there's quite a few, yeah. marvelous okay we will take a break and play some music and oh i heard you played in the great turnicky steam band it's right until last year yeah. oh wow and so you are a jazz aficionado yes I, I would say so yes yes okay so um you've suggested tommy Dawes band so one of the big bands i liked. Yeah. yes and um, you also used to play the clarinet yes yeah Fantastic. Let's see what we can find by Tommy Dawes Band. Fine Have a
0: baby your baby.
1: heart is a la, 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 la and tears Here will find again as you me, recall the moon life in, life in this. all its splendor your, your kiss oh, the way so very like it tender. Like the words as will please. you surrender oh, to, heart to heart me access radio Taranaki 1 4.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast and I'm your host Michaela Nyman and we are grateful to the sponsorship by Covet Brewster Art Gallery and Landai Center for this show. And I'm here with the, the lovely Gay Atkinson who is an amazing potter who has done so many other things as well and I think this is just where kind of the bits and pieces of a creative life comes together, mm. from fashion design, lingerie, to jazz music, and um, abstract art and pottery.
0: And in between working in newspapers.
1: Oh, we have yeah. that in common. <laughs> have yes, I got introduced oh. to
0: newspapers when we moved to Waikato, which oh. is where I discovered pottery, and that was in the 1970s, and the craft era was in its, you know, Bernard Leach was still alive, who was a master potter in England, and... Shoji Hamada from Japan. There were major influences in New Zealand pottery,
1: and so that was uh, the mid and late 70s. Or
0: yes, yes through mm. the 70s, and that's where I learned the craft. Because there were um, night schools everywhere, polytechs. It was just huge. The resources that were available were incredible, and the New Zealand Potters Association was very strong. Had yearly conventions that you go to, and they'd have overseas potters. And I got exposed to, not a convention, but a workshop, in, actually in Wanganui, and it was an Australian raku specialist, a guy called Jeff Mincham, and he's influenced how I approach it and and what I do with it, yeah.
1: What a serendipitous meeting. Mm. So that's how you got into raku, specifically. Well, yeah,
0: how I got into it full-time, because it was my big opportunity, and then I... Um, went to Auckland and a wonderful potter, the late Chris Kokill, showed me his, his kiln, which was so accessible, it was fibre-lined. And so um, my daughter, Bridget, who you met, is a, was a fitter welder and she built my first kiln.
1: Oh, she built it? Yeah. Oh, I love that.
0: And the reason, if you look at my pots on the artefact ones, there's rivets on all of them, and it's a tribute to Bridget. Wow. So, oh, um, what but that's, um, that's important, though. Like oh. The man that judged the um, bowl over there... We te apa, Maori potter, superb potter. He draws on his life's influences, which is kind of native fauna, flora, rock formations, Maori carving. And um, I thought, that's me all over. I, I draw on that sort of thing too. Mm. It was actually um, We teapa, or would it be one for the local
1: one? Mm. He said that um, this work reflected her interpretation of the environment. Mm. that was also in the exhibition at the Art Loft yes. last year so mm. people could see it mm. and more recently at the um, Gover Street Gallery as well Yes,
0: I, th- I, I actually work at the Gover Street Gallery um, mm. or have until this happened um, and yeah,
1: I've got quite a lot of work there, and I've got quite a range up at the art loft. Mm. Just for listeners who might uh, not uh, be aware, but um, Gay Atkinson actually won the 2022 Taranaki National Art Awards um, 3D category. Mm. And it was um, Carl Chittam from the Dallas Art ah, Gallery and
0: oh. Janet Leaf Wilson from um, well, the Wallachato Art Museum, they jointly. The, Fantastic. That. So and we was that year's local one. Mm.
1: Ancient Vessel demonstrated her use of metallic glazes to reference artifacts and uh, yeah, you won the 3D award with that. Yeah. Mm. So I saw the awards and I've been trying to get hold of you for a chat for some time. So mm. There has been a celebration of 50 years of Mm. New Plymouth Potters, which started in April this year and ends in June 2024. So we are right now in the 50th uh, anniversary Mm. celebrations. And anyone who wants to see some of the amazing work that has been done by New Plymouth Potters, it's actually up in the Puke Ariki libraries research part and then you go over the bridge into the Pukeariki Museum, they are spread out, so you might not even realise they are there. But your work is there,
0: among others. I've got three in there, which I'm very lucky to have. They're very flattering. But I need to, can I say something about the 50 years of clay, which is the New Plymouth Potters, and the fact that we're 50 years old is a tribute to the committees and the presidents that have run it. And I've come back in the last couple of years... To find that it's as strong as ever, it's just amazing. And there is, of course, a renaissance in pottery. And the young people that have come into pottery are just so inspiring. It takes me back 40 and 50 years.
1: (laughs) Well, I would say not only the young people are inspiring. Mm. Some of their good old hands, they are very inspiring too. And you have um, a small uh, pottery church. What is it called? The the Te Hinui
0: Vickridge. Yes. Yeah, that is where the pottery rooms are right at the back of that. And they're so well equipped and maintained.
1: They are amazing. And they usually open before Christmas and at other times y- of the yes, year. too. So
0: they, they open Saturdays and Sundays mm-hmm. every weekend. Yes.
1: And I've heard that there's a bit of a waiting list.
0: Well, there has been up to two to four years, but they've rejigged it and apparently all you have to do now is to go onto Spotify and book yourself in and get on a a very short waiting list now, which is just wonderful for people. Because it is frustrating to get your interest wetted and then have to wait two to three years. Yeah. um, Because I didn't have to do that in my day. So many classes to choose from.
1: Yeah. Mm. So new people who come to New Plymouth and um, actually are already into clay and Mm -hmm. pottery, can they just go to the vicarage and find out a bit more? Yes,
0: they can. They can. They can go and if you're experienced in pottery, you can join the club straight away and have access to all the wonderful equipment. Wow. Yes. So I sold some of my equipment when I gave up many years ago, and now I haven't bothered replacing it because the club's so well equipped. So I just do finishing off work at home.
1: And do you have um, also beginners try uh, Yes, tryout? they do. Yeah. yeah,
0: they do. Yes, yeah. they do.
1: So this is in New Plymouth, guys?
0: Um, Yes, it's right down. It's actually behind Tihanoi Vicarage, which is down right down the bottom of Powderham Street.
1: Great. Okay, we will take another break. And because we are having a clarinetist and a jazz aficionado here, we are going to listen to some more jazz. And um, you said there was a New Zealand musician, Oscar Lavin. Yes. Who you like as well. Yes. Let's see if we can find some Oscar Lavin for you.
0: He can play 26 instruments. Oh, wow. <laughs> he is amazing.
1: Oscar Lavin. Hey, pretty baby, let's have some fun. You're all- Welcome back to Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM. You are listening to the Sugarloafing Artscast, and I'm your host, Michaela Nyman. And we are grateful for the sponsorship by Govett-Brewster Art Gallery and Lenae Centre for this show. And uh, I'm here today with Potter Gay Atkinson, and uh, we'll be talking about the New Plymouth potters who are celebrating 50 years of clay, and uh, they began in 1968. And uh, in 1973, they obtained the lease of the historic Tehenui Vicarage from the New Plymouth City Council. And that is where they have their workrooms. So you can pop in and check out what they do. And if you are an experienced potter who has just moved to New Plymouth, you might want to join the club. And you can also see some of the amazing work that they've produced over these 50 years in uh, Pukeriki at the moment it's up in the Taranaki research center at the top floor and then you can walk across the air bridge into the Pukeariki side and they are spread out here and there so pick up one of these brochures 50 years of clay and um, go and check them out so we were just talking about you getting rid of your equipment and taking a break and that wasn't a small break was it
0: no it was about 30 years
1: 30 years <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, there were a couple of reasons. The main one was we had to renovate the house and needed more money. We went to put the roof on and decided to renovate. And guess what? We'd run out of money and didn't have a new roof. So um, I had to go back to the newspapers. I didn't have to. But I loved that job. And, um, and the second reason was that not many people understood my work in those days and therefore I didn't sell much. And it, what I do is quite expensive, much more expensive than an average pot to make. And I I can only fire two or three pots at the most in one firing, whereas other potters can fire up to 40 pots at once for a similar amount of money. So people might think my work's expensive, but actually it's not. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's why I had a 30-year break, and I was painting. And um, actually Jason Reed from... JD Red Gallery, which is now the Art Loft, came up to pick up one of my paintings and said, who made the pots? And I said, oh, I did. And the next thing I knew, I had a phone call and I have always followed pottery. It's always my first love. And he said, I want some pots for Christmas. My God, it was about September, October. (laughs) And I said, do I want to pot again or don't I? And I thought, of course I do. What What year was this? About three years ago.
1: Mm. That's recent.
0: Three or four years ago now. Yes, it was. But I've, I've had to not learn again, but I'm nowhere near the potter I was. I know that, but I can accept that.
1: How have um, you changed, or how has your practice changed? What is it that um, is different now? Age. Oh, but if you look at um, the pots, don't you they, see they, something they, beautiful in what they are now? Yeah, yeah they're sim-
0: but they're similar to what I used to make. The interesting thing is that no one understood. I've come back to pottery and... Next thing I know, I've won three awards in a very in, within two years. But the rewarding thing about that is, of course, that the people that give you the awards are also experts, and so all of a sudden people are understanding what I do and appreciating it.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I, that that's um, not the award as much as the validation that I am on a
1: right track. I think. Every artist needs the validation, Mm. but it's uh, just sad if it comes too late. So I'm glad that, uh, you know, (laughs) that you were sparked into going back into pottery and that you are here to see the validation for your work. So time has caught up with what you used to do. You're still doing the same thing. Well, it seems to
0: be like that. It's a bit funny, isn't it? Our work's a bit different, but as you'll see from the first one I won nearly 30 years ago, that there is still that same... Um, element to it mm. because it basically is all I know.
1: <laughs> well, but yeah. it's also your aesthetic. They are, kind yeah, of, you can yeah. see that it's your work. Yeah,
0: my field is very, very narrow. I know mm. that it's limited to low firing and primi- what they call primitive techniques. And they're only called primitive simply because they're uh, the techniques of flame mm. and smoke and heat that were used in the early days, pre kiln days. So that one there is actually a pitch fired one. No, the, that round one, and it's simply smoke is all it's
1: mm, the blackness.
0: Yes, it. yes, yeah. it's just where it ha- isn't smoky, it means the air's got at the clay, where it is smoky, it means it's been smothered in sawdust and no air's yeah. got at it. Yeah,
1: um, very beautiful. This is a round uh, pot that is round like a big cannonball with a small
0: neck, protruding
1: neck, yes. and it's
0: hand built. That whole thing's done in coils. It's very time-consuming. That one is still at the Gover Street Gallery, actually.
1: So how do you do those? You do the coils, and then you have some sort of slip on the outside? Well, no,
0: the clay is quite wet. um, Mm -hmm. And what you do is you score it, which is scrape it, and then you put a coil on top of one another, but you press it down in it and out it. So what's happening is that there's and you build that up and dry it off. It's a very slow process because it's got to dry off enough to have the strength to hold the next yeah, coil. I was yeah. just
1: thinking that it's mm. probably it's so very, easy to collapse.
0: It's very therapeutic, actually. Mm. Yeah, And and it's burnished, which is an, an ancient Mexican, African way. And that's how they waterproof, the pots. Mm, were yes. burnishing them and, and that. But I don't burnish them that well. I just want to shine.
1: <laughs> and then the big uh, flat, dish that uh, looks like a piece of uh, rock pool.
0: Yes everyone's got a different view on what that represents that's done in a different technique and it's done over what we call a hump mold so I build it up in the blind really and um yeah and just press it together and hope for the best
1: (laughs) and what about the glazing on that one
0: it's not glazed except it's all oxided actually it's um black cobalt oxide that's rubbed in to that middle bit mm-hmm. and then wiped off so it f- fills in all those cracks and then the outside to give it a frame really is just straight oxide. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which
1: means that every piece you make that way is unique.
0: Yes, it does. Mm. Yeah. I think with handcraft every bit's unique. Yes, yes.
1: Mm. Amazing. So, how have you found it this time around then? You've been doing pottery now just for a few, three years yeah. again. Mm. And uh, was it like coming home? You picked it, it up? Is,
0: it is, it is. I like pottery, it's so tactile. For instance, I tried um, stained glass, but I kept cutting myself because <laughs> glass doesn't bend. <laughs> you know, I just like manipulating the clay and getting it to do things, yeah.
1: It is very tactile. Mm,
0: it is, it's lovely. That's
1: the reason I like baking bread better than cakes.
0: Yes, mm. yes, it is, yes.
1: And do you still use the same kiln?
0: No, I sold one kiln. My raku kiln wore out, rusted actually, because I didn't take care of it. And it was, it's out in the elements. And so I had to build another one. My son-in-law helped me this time.
1: Mm-hmm. Lovely. A family affair. Okay, we will take another break, and I think we are going to try to find a piece by Artie Shaw this time. Enjoy. Welcome back to Access Radio 104.4 FM. You're listening to the Sugarloaf Arts Cast, and I'm your host, Michaela Neumann. And we are grateful for the sponsorship by Govette brewster Art Gallery and Landlie Centre for this show. And I'm with the lovely Gay Atkinson talking pottery. Gay, um, yeah, had a 30 years absence, and then she picked up pottery again and found that um, she loved it as much as she did when she quit due to all these commitments we have, family and uh, other priorities and need for income. And lo and behold, she has gone and won prizes. Congratulations for that. No. And you've been acknowledged in Japan.
0: Yeah. I've adopted the Japanese way, yeah. Mm.
1: And so what is it about raku in comparison to other kinds of pottery that has always interested you?
0: Um I think it's its uniqueness because no two pieces are ever the same. Even the same glaze turns out differently. Um, the weather can affect the result of my work oh. yeah, and of my firing. If there's too much wind, it'll blow my gas out. And if there's just the right amount, I use less gas because there's you know, enough airflow going through. In the, it, to get to temperature, the crucial thing is to get the air and the gas mix right and the elements can affect that. Yeah, um, I guess there's a bit of science involved. I just know the results. I don't know the science. I know how to do it, but how I'm doing it, I don't know. No.
1: And do you teach as well? No. No?
0: No, I'm not, I'm, I've taken one workshop only, um, and I actually really enjoyed it, but I don't feel adequate to teach.
1: I don't think anyone ever feels adequate to teach unless you mm. are like teacher yeah. by profession.
0: I'm happy to poke my nose in when I see something, someone doing something wrong at the workroom, or if anyone asks me, I'm quite happy to help as much as I can. Mm. Yeah. Well, yes. that's how I got where I am anyway, because of so much assistance. Exactly. Yeah. The artists are very generous usually in their um, forthcoming, and, and I wouldn't. Anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, you would be an amazing teacher, Gay. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and yeah. I think that is the thing, though. It is a
0: time thing, too, yeah. Michaela. Um, this is a very lengthy process, and no, I, I, I feel time's much shorter for me than the average potter, and um, I just want to commit myself to what I do.
1: Yeah, as you should.
0: Yeah, and you, it's got to be solitary. Like, I don't like people coming in and watching me fire. And I feel rude saying no, but it takes so much concentration. If I lose my concentration for a minute, there goes 10 hours work in a pot because it'll bang against the side of the bin. Or,
1: you know what I mean? It,
0: it's all those sort of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. no. So totally. it sounds
0: selfish, but I don't...
1: No, it's not selfish. Mm. Mm. And as you said, I was pretty sure that you were in your 70s, and that's not the case, is it? You're a bit more than that.
0: <laughs> a lot more than that, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, no... And you have the right to do whatever you need with your time.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, I I try to be as generous as I can, but just not when I'm firing. Because I do, my pots are intricate enough to take. And, of course, pottery, you can only do certain things at a certain stage. The clay's got to dry out to a certain degree before you can turn it or carve it like I do or add to it like I do. You know, the throwing of my pot is a quick but very quick. (laughs) The rest of it takes ages.
1: (laughs) So um, how much uh, time would go between, you know, coming up with an idea for the next and you build on what you've done before, but you still come up with a new idea? So, from Well, I do, go.
0: yes, I do have a vague idea and one, one thing leads to another and you learn from each experience. But I, do, I was taught the discipline of, in the early days, knowing what you want to make, whether it's a jug, and make a jug. Too often I see, um, especially newer people, give up and they'll turn their jug into a cup or something like oh. that. Do you know what I mean? They don't get the growth. You've just got to keep going and growing. Persist. And, and keeping going helps you grow.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was a valuable lesson to be told was to aim. Will you aim for the stars and you don't come up with a mouthful of mud, really, do you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's a nice saying. Yeah, and and I guess that um, it's a cop-out too, it's a bit uh, like, we well, saw, oh, I always intended to do the cup, but yeah. it was a jug.
0: Well, yeah, well, of course, it's, fr- it's frustrating, like, it's only the really dedicated that pursue it, because people come and say, I want a pot, and they're oh, God, this is hard work, and they can't even centre it, which is a crucial part of throwing a pot. Yeah,
1: otherwise um, it flies off. Yeah, so they won't. don't
0: stick with it, but... but Probably 60, 70 percent do, and I get much joy out of watching them grow because, because of that dedication and determination, I think that was me years ago. The kids suffered, everybody suffered. I was just obsessed with pottery. Mm. Yeah.
1: Although I would say that you still have that dedication and uh, maybe obsession. Who knows? But uh, to start after 30 years, that's uh, you know, that's quite gutsy. I and you didn't hesitate?
0: No, no, I didn't. Well, it didn't take much to push me into it. I have to admit. Yeah, because I, I was only a moderately good painter, but it was two-dimensional, and my paints looked like they'd be made of pots because I'd use every thing I could find to put some texture into it and some depth, not a flat surface. Yeah, so really, I was
1: painting like I was potting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I have to go and check out your paintings now because that sounds really intriguing. So what's on the cards uh, for you next year? Well, keep improving on my pottery,
0: really. I have improved over the last few years. You know, I I was disappointed to start with, but, yeah, I've done what I did when I was younger and that's just kept at it and, you know, trying to perfect it. I can't get the big pots like I used to, or as big as I used to. Mm. Which is a shame, because I think some of my forms would look quite good twice the size.
1: Oh, they would. Absolutely. Yep, but
0: then my kiln wouldn't cope.
1: No, oh, uh, yeah, know, yeah, You yeah. know,
0: it's a fibre-lined oil drum, you know, with a door in it. So it's, it, there's logistics of getting them in and getting them out. Those big dishes, I've got to tip them up and take them out on a slant and then turn them around and put them down. Do you know what I mean? It's quite manoeuvring. It's a very physical Form pottery.
1: Yeah, mm. and uh, I'm just uh, astounded that you get them so even in that case that they don't end up looking much more mottled.
0: Well, some do, but that is actually the beauty of Raku yeah. is that if you're looking for perfection in a pot, don't look at a Raku pot no. because it's hard to get them perfect. yeah
1: But they're not meant to be either. No,
0: they're not. Well, that's the aesthetic. The Japanese pay a fortune. For the imperfections, even the tong marks on a the glaze, um, they, well, they know so much about it that they actually analyse a pot and go through about the glaze and what it's done and what caused that mark. And, yeah.
1: Mm. I'm very much into mark making and um, as a printmaker, yeah. but uh, imperfection, uh, yeah, is something I think uh, we have to learn to live with as well. But mm. yeah, see the beauty in some of those mm-hmm. marks that were maybe the not most intentional. As long as you're still aiming for, you know, mm, what you had. Exactly,
0: heard. yeah. I, d- in my art journey, I went and did a printmaking course as well at um, WIT. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, but it still isn't me. So, I, you know, went, I ended up cold wax and oil painting. Have you heard of that?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, it's great. Yeah. I've still I d- got a fortune in cold wax and the head.
1: <laughs> Gives that really luminous... Yes, of, but you need it's to polish lovely. It
0: too Yes, it's lovely, yeah, yeah
1: yeah and um for someone who's starting out, what would you say, what kind of advice would you give?
0: What I'd say is to go to the if it, if you're local go to our pottery club, they teach hand building first, which is not a bad thing, um, and then you learn about handling the clay and the construction of a pot. I learned to throw, I just discarded the idea of hand building and I was able to get on a wheel straight away. So if you're getting, when you're getting on the wheel you have got to persevere with what we call centering, which is getting the clay not wobbling and getting the hole down and forming the floor of the pot, pulling it up evenly. Now those are big challenges, both of them. Once you master those, you're away. Yeah. Because if you don't get it centred, your pot will never have an even top. And if you don't pull the walls up, you end up with a clunky, heavy, heavy pot. So, yeah, two disciplines. Once you get that.
1: And uh, what clay you use, that also well, must. Uh,
0: well, I use. A, a lot. I have to use a, an Australian Raku clay. Oh? It's constructed for Raku, and it's got a lot of what we call grit in it, which is actually ground up biscuit fired pottery to withstand the temperature shock. Because oh. if you get thermal shock, like if you put a casserole on a cold marble bench, crack. I get a lot of that. Even with this good clay, New Zealand clays, unfortunately just don't cut it. They
1: really? They
0: say they're raku. But other potters, aren't saying that, they, get, they say they can use any clay, so I don't know whether it's my forms or what it is.
1: Don't the biscuits um, take off uh, your skin when you put it on the well, wheel? Well, I've got
0: pretty tough hands now. <laughs>
1: Or smooth. <laughs> and
0: so I hear people mane, moan about it, but no, I've got used to it.
1: You might not have any fingerprints left. <laughs> oh, I think so. <laughs> I've
0: got pretty crooked fingers, which I had to adjust to over the 30-year break with having arthritic fingers. So I had to actually learn a little bit of it, create a different technique, which is interesting too. Mm.
1: I just think it's marvellous that you did get back to it, and we are so thank grateful you. that you did. Well, thank you. Yeah, and... Um, where can people find you? Are you online anywhere?
0: Oh, I've only got a Facebook page. No, I don't kind of advertise myself. Do I don't produce enough, to be quite honest. It's such a slow process that I hardly ever have any stock. It all goes to the galleries.
1: And right now you're in Gover Street Gallery, at the Pukeriki in the museum and and the research centre. Where else can people find your work?
0: And at the art loft. And
1: at the art loft.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Percy Thompson Gallery in Stratford, of course, which is also another wonderful gallery.
1: Yes. Mm. Yes, we are lucky to have all those places.
0: Mm, We certainly are.
1: Mm. And uh, any potters out there, head uh, off to the uh, old uh, historic Tehenui Vicarage if you want to find any Plymouth potters. They have their workrooms there and the club room and are amazingly equipped. They are open for o- open, sales? Open on
0: Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays
1: and Sundays, yeah.
0: And we just had a, um, what they call a market day, where we were open all weekend and people came in the rain. It was torrential rain, unfortunately. But, yeah, we had a lot of visitors through. Mm. Yeah.
1: Lots of beautiful stuff. Thank you so much, Gay. Thank you, Michaela. Mm. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sugar Loafing Arts Cast on 104.4 FM. My name is Michaela Nyman and you can contact me with feedback and ideas for shows at Access Radio Taranaki or email me on community at accessradiotaranaki.com. You can check out the artists, guests and their fabulous work on our Sugar Loafing Facebook page and Instagram. To listen to previous episodes of the show, go to accessradiotaranaki.com and search us up under Current Shows. The Sugarloafing Artscast was made possible with the support of Govet Brewster Art Gallery and the Len Lye Centre. Until next week.
0: This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.